0: Welcome to chapter 19 of the Kinsman Die podcast, home of fantasy fiction based on Norse mythology that's written and read by me, Matt Bishop. In this podcast, I read my first novel, Kinsman Die, one chapter at a time. Every 10 chapters or so, I recap the key plot points and provide some insight into the myths I've referenced in the book as well as some of the creative choices I've made along the way. It's been quite a while for me since I've recorded an episode. And I've changed studios, uh, switched closets, basically, so hopefully the audio quality is unchanged, or if I'm really lucky, like Matram Coffin, a bit better. Before we roll into chapter 19, here's a quick summary of what's gone before. In chapter 16, we were with Hoder, the son of Frigg and Odin, as he mucked out some stables and remembered the man, the warrior he'd been. In chapter 17, Frigg pulled double duty. Damage control for her husband as and as a mom to Hermit. In chapter 18, Bidar engaged the enemy, without and within, and it didn't go very well for him. In this chapter, we're back with Loki as he says goodbye to his family. Let's do this. Chapter 19. Loki. Loki stood outside his longhouse beneath the high spreading limbs of a yew tree. Scant cover from prying, distant eyes, but it was early morning. Goldtooth was probably still recovering from the previous night's drink, even as he filled the next day's cups. Or maybe, hopefully, time had become one continuous, dark, muddled night for him. And all thanks to some garrulous, green-feathered birds in Vonaheim. Loki smiled, hoping they might teach their hatchlings well. Smiling? Are you that happy to be leaving again, Loki? Siggins' fingers flashed in the Jotun hand-speech. She stood silhouetted against the longhouse, its doors flung wide to let the air in. Melting water fell with a faint, steady drip from the roof into open barrels. The franinger's roar was a mere backdrop. Loki replied, fingers dancing. Not at all. We're bound together, you and I, no matter how far we are apart. Sigan sniffed and stepped in closer, wrapping an arm around his waist. Or how close, she whispered. Vali and Narfi walked toward them, leading horses that snorted shook their heads and stomped their hooves, eager to be out on the road. Loki saw that same eagerness in his son's eyes, and his smile deepened, remembering when a similar feeling had swelled in his chest. He was anxious for the last part of his own journey. Despite Igg's unexpected return, he decided to go ahead with the plans he'd laid over the past hundred winters. They would bear fruit, as would the Jotun's plans. Whether he lived to see it was another thing entirely. Bali and Narfi looked every inch the young Asir warriors they seemed to be. Round shields slung on their backs, axes by their sides, hands upon long spears, heavy leather armor over even heavier woolen clothes. They wrapped their reins on one of the Yew's low-hanging, sparsely-leafed limbs. Loki's fingers moved. Take care in Ivington. Remember to split up when you get there. Slip away in the hours before Sol rises, but do it separately— we know, father, Volley signed, with a lopsided grin on his narrow, sharp-featured face. We've been over it. Loki frowned and leveled a finger at Voli. If the army catches you traversing the breach into Utgard, they'll figure out who you are, eventually. Then they'll come here. Voli's expression grew more serious as understanding bloomed in his eyes. Narfi just nodded, every bit the counterweight to his brother's airier temperament. I'm sorry to be hard on you, Loki signed, smiling. But many plans are strung together. If they find one thread, they'll find the others, and then the whole weave will come undone. Narfi signed. We know, Father. We won't let you down. That thought never entered my mind, Loki said, smile widening further. Mine's a father's concern for his son's welfare. The enemy has eyes everywhere, especially in Utgard. Sigyn swatted his chest and he glanced down at her. Her frown seemed to suggest that he should scold less and advise more. And maybe he should, since he might never see these two again. But they needed to be prepared. Not that words alone could do that. And when you reach Helvig, only Belly will know that you are my son's. That's for your protection as well as my own, he said, fingers dancing. I know Belly well. He's among the best of us. So keep your eyes and ears open. You can learn much from him. We will, father, they signed. And you be careful, too, wherever you're headed, Narfi added. Loki grinned. Don't worry about me. I've been in trouble more than I've been out of it. When it's finally thrown, you'll both be at the spear's tip. So take care of each other, Sagan said out loud. She stepped from his side to hug and kiss both her boys. Maybe he had been droning on, but another war was coming. He was proud that his sons had chosen his side. And should he fail, they'd be safer with Helvig than they would with him, just as Sigyn would be safer with the Jotun. For now, though, he embraced both his boys, working hard to keep the tears from his eyes. And then he caught Sigyn in a fierce hug. Make sure you come back to me, she whispered. He kissed her cheek and said, I will, as if he were certain he would return. He doubted she believed him. But she did have hope. She would remain behind for a little while, doing nothing but playing the part of a devoted wife who knew little of the activities of a husband who was rarely around, and then herself slip away. Swift and true, he said to Vali and Narfi. Then he shifted into the shape of a large snow owl, and in puffs of snow left the spreading yew branches and the ground behind him, and his family. After a long, curving, upward climb, he looked down and saw Vali and Narfi had mounted and were heading toward whatever dooms the Norns had cut for them. Just as he was. Well, folks, that was chapter 19 of Kinsmen Die. I hope you enjoyed it. Loki said goodbye to his wife and sons. Whatever they're doing, they appear to have all taken sides against the Asir. Next episode, we're back with Odin as he arrives at the battle near Halls. Please take a few moments and rate or review the podcast. That provides valuable feedback for me and helps boost the show's visibility as to sharing it. And if you're so inclined, please shoot me an email at madbishopwrights at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And as always, I'm reading from the Havamal, the Sayings of the High One, Odin, and as in the last few episodes, I'm going to read from both the Bellows and the Larrington translations for verse 19. Bellows, verse 19 Shun not the mead, but drink in measure. Speak to the point, or be still. For rudeness, none shall rightly blame thee if thy bed thou seekest. Larrington, verse 19 Let no man hold onto the cup, but drink mead in moderation. Let him say what's necessary or be silent. No man will scold you because you go off early to bed. Thanks for listening.